Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I'm Michael J. Sutton, and this is episode 35 in our series, Freedom from Fear. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. My late uncle, who died several years ago, loved talking about the Second World War. He was born a few years prior to the outbreak of hostilities and was a child during the war years, but that experience profoundly shaped his life as it did many other people. He had strong views about the war, who was to blame, who won the war and who were the shining lights or men of valour. My uncle loved Field Marshal Montgomery, who was famous in his contests with the German Field Marshal Rommel. He read voraciously on anything he could find on Monty, even naming one of his dogs after the British war hero. But my uncle saved the best praises for the Gurkhas, whom he said were the fiercest fighters in Asia during the war against Japan. You don't want to mess with the Gurkhas, he would tell me. They're the best fighters in the world. The Gurkhas fought with the British. When I went to Changi in Singapore and to the war cemetery, I found the headstones of many of the Gurkhas residing there. As many died, fighting Imperial Japan. Jesus, on the other hand, has a reputation for being a bit of a weakling, not a man of action. An effeminate man surrounded by children who could not stand up for himself and who got himself killed by his own people. Most people these days think of Jesus as a naive fool who taught good things but was unable to stand against tyranny and died for it. Our corrupt Western culture relishes Jesus as a little baby in the manger surrounded by animals and manure, attended to by his young mother and, for some bizarre reason, Grandpa Joseph, a much older husband. The Roman Catholics do not like to see Jesus risen from the dead. They prefer him stuck on the cross, bleeding and dying so they can eat a piece of him during their cannibalistic feast, the Mass. The Protestants like Jesus risen from the dead, but he said too many things that contradict the kingdoms they've built on earth, so they politely ignore him. The Pentecostals have no time for Jesus either, preferring instead to sit at the foot of their Holy Spirit, who enables them to convulse in spasms and babbling, through which they can solicit from God whatever they want to fulfil their needs. The Orthodox are too busy killing each other in the Ukraine or drowning in gold and silver to even think about God in the first place. Most of the church and the world gets Jesus wrong. Like the Gurkhas, you do not want to mess with Jesus. No, you really do not. There is a reason the churches keep their Bibles closed, and that is so that you will not meet God or find out about him, so you will not know God or be known by him. You will be incredibly surprised in the Bible, and even more surprised, that the church often lies to you about who Jesus is, what he's done, and how we might know him. You will also probably want the church prosecuted for tax fraud, The fact that the churches have been laughing all the way to the bank for the last 150 years or so is proof that most people keep their Bibles closed. 
Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Did you know that? The Greek is the same. There's no hidden meaning. There is no metaphorical meaning. Jesus is not making some poetic point about life. But he's talking about peace and conflict. And he says in the Gospel of Matthew that he has not come as a peacemaker. He has come to bring the sword, to divide, to split, to kill. What does the context say? In chapter 10 of the Gospel of Matthew, the account is of Jesus sending out his twelve apostles on a circuit tour of local villages and towns in Israel to preach the good news of the Messiah and to bring healing and comfort. The early part of this chapter, where this infamous verse is located, is with the advice he gave to these men on their journey. For those of you who listened to my earlier podcast on Jesus' attitude to foreigners, you will say at least he was consistent, for in verse five to verses 5 to 6 he tells his disciples, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, the nations, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In the Gospel of Matthew, the specific instructions for this journey end in verse 15. Verses 16 to 42 have been added as a more general commentary as to what the disciples might experience or anyone seeking to follow Jesus. These verses have longevity to them. They speak of the future. They speak of a time of suffering for the early followers of Jesus. They foreshadow the time when Christ is no longer with them in person. And they do not hide the difficulties one faces in life when standing up for Christ. Matthew is said to have been written during that first generation of those who knew Jesus. What is described in this chapter is exactly what happened, concisely both in Jerusalem and in the Roman world, because of the events surrounding the death of Jesus, their Messiah. Matthew writes in verses 17 to 22, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the nations. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, because of following Jesus, persecution will come and the name of Jesus will divide families and friends. Christians down through the ages have been faced with a choice. Ignore their Lord create a version of Jesus acceptable to society and live the good life, or follow Jesus, endure and be saved. Jesus goes on to say in verses 34 to 39, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. 
Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves child more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. These are not the words you will hear people in power parrot when they quote the fake Jesus created by their friends in the church, the Christian fascists. Jesus came not to bring peace, but to, through his life and death, show us how to know God and be known by God. For many people, the ones they listen to are mostly their family. They are the final authority in their lives, but Jesus is saying that he will not accept the use of family as an excuse for failing to make a decision about who he is. People use all kinds of excuses to avoid making up their mind about Jesus Christ. There's the fear of the sword, the fear of being cast out or excluded or being laughed at by their friends or being rejected simply because a person wants to be a Christian. In many nations it actually means death, physical death, literally the sword. In the West also it meant death well up into the 19th century in many cases. It was not long ago that calling Jesus Lord in the West resulted in being executed by the state, often by one or more denomination of Christianity uh, that uh, disagreed with um, others. As a result of believing in Jesus as the saviour of the world, many people will lose friends and family, who despite all their talk about freedom, do not believe a word of it. Remarkable thing about people in the West, freedom really means nothing to most of them. All that matters is their opinion, their belief and their way. They like to get their way and get terribly upset in people who stand in their way, no matter what they say. They will happily push people aside if they follow Jesus. For those who believe and trust in Christ, the path forward is worth it, because the price is good enough, and knowing God and being known by God is precious enough to move forward. The path of the Christian is the path of true freedom, because it is the path of the cross. It is the road to the lonely hill upon which Jesus died. As Jesus said, Whoever does not take his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. True freedom is found in following Jesus. True freedom is found in taking up our cross and following Jesus. True freedom is accepting the cost of knowing God and being known by God in a world that hates freedom. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom from Fear.